My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment. I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. Okay. On this week's Keizu Slamcast, we have part two of a show that was recorded in October of 2001. The feature is The Great Buddy Wakefield. Right at the beginning of the recording, you're going to notice uh, Buddy goes off mic for a second. And I tried to boost the levels so that everybody could hear what's going on. Uh, but what is happening is uh, he's got some magazines and other crap that has accumulated in his vehicle because he's been on the road for I don't know how many months at this point and he's just giving away free shit just to get rid of it and then he continues on with his set and after that is the slam you know what my bad my bad totally my bad I forgot I know it's a poetry reading. A lot of times people come because they have to. Friends made them, whatever. I, uh, I forgot to pass out the magazines in case you get bored. There you go. <laughs> it's just me and my car. Here's a muscle and fitness. You're like, it works. It works for me. Um. Um. Sorry. Pass those around if anybody. You know what? I don't want them back. Please don't give them back. Somebody's already given the muscle and fitness back twice. Okay. Um, all right, how are we, we good on time? We still got a slam afterwards. Y'all ready for the slam? All right. Kalamazoo, fucking rowdy. Okay. I got gone, gone, gone. I was throwing my body around like a wand and they were yelling, slow down, boy, slow down. But I don't get their rigid rules. See, they fold their arms out like people who praise while they dawdle in a box between greed and release as if this dawdling speaks for the free. As if in their praise, they're speaking for me. But it's just talk, y'all, and goddamn they can talk. Like people who say they're alive while they hurtle by on backslides, alibis, technicalities, thigh masters, and a bolt action judgment. It's like people in an itty bitty box who think that just because the top's open now, there'll always be a way to get up and fly out, and they'll fly out anytime but now. Cause now they got hate with a smile they'd rather expose. So you better be wearing your expensive clothes in this box. Cause the dark don't just go through the rise anymore. It shows in the way they bury the poor. And I don't know who they are or what they want or where they're coming from. Cause their skin's so thick and deep, I can't tell if they got hearts underneath from a complete 
lack of a rising beat. So I got gone, gone, gone. I was throwing my body around like a wand and they were yelling, slow down, boy, slow down. But I don't get their rigid rules yelling at me, slow down, boy, slow down. No, speed up, be first, don't cuck, get lost, get found, get it right, learn to fly, jump this high, stay ground and go fight, when shut up, speak up, system march, stop. Am I dizzy, God? Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. Because from outside the box, looking in, I see a people who got old guts, old wits, old thrust and regret for an old loss and an old goal which clearly began this fucked up caged in maze no God would ever keep us in. It's a people who got bought out, shut down, kicked back and meter read by an old hope and an old scene that we've all been too proud to frame in our bones. But I got gone, gone, gone in a ballroom dance with dusk and dawn trading skin tight words in perfect form around an itty bitty box full of people being born yelling at me, screaming, what do you think you're doing boy? And I just yelled back, Man, I'm going home for something to ease these fits so I can drift. Lift. Instrument. And slow down. Slow down. Sometimes and all the muffled stuff we're talking, all the crap, I catch a word or two just so I'll know what to throw back. All I wanna do is throw back to know that I'm not alone and get gone. Okay, are you still, are you still cool? Are we good? Can I do two? I've got two left. Are we okay? All right. Okay. Thank, listen, also, um, what I've been doing so far, all the way up through the green mill, and I'm pretty much running out, I've been giving away prizes at each show um, as a thank you for coming. It's actually just stuff I couldn't sell in the garage sale. <laughs> but um, here's what's left. Here's what's left. It's... Um, so, but yeah, thanks for coming. Not to demean your gift if you get a prize or anything. Um, okay, here's a, here's a, here's a car. It's a, it's a, a Matchbox I've ever done, that I ever did, English major. Did you guys hear what Snoop Dogg washes his clothes with? Bleach. <laughs> did you hear about the two sausages laying in the frying pan? First sausage says, man, it's hot in here. Second sausage goes, holy shit, a talking sausage. <laughs> okay. Um... That boy sits on a log, eating pie, drinking fog, playing fetch with a dog that just won't run his way. 
And his girl sits in a swing that don't sway, singing songs about history and wonders, why does vanity look so good on me? And Ma and Pa, they're calling all saying, get on down to your doctor's mall. He's got a special on boobs and lips and butts and cake. While cousins on the cellular phone calling more talk shows for the folks at home who got opinions on solutions for problems that ain't their own. And let's hear it for the high class, killing Winnie the Pooh with the molds they cast in this class of titans that no longer remains in check. Because Superman broke his neck. But there's a, a little ditty called happiness. It says, I'm going to walk away from this. Yeah, before I lose my masterpiece to an Etch-A-Sketch again. And in the morning when I rise, if everybody's really being randomly kind and I can feel as good as I do tonight, then I'm going to walk away from this with a little ditty called happiness. <laughs> All right. But religion pays the rats in this race for a low-fat, succulent jumbo shake while a man in the street like an old pile of meats buying groceries from the local aluminum can. And as they juggle his balls with tightened fists in a world war on the streets of wit, the president eats the smiles from our cheeks. He puckers up and he waves his hands. And Ma and Pa, they're calling all saying, get on back to your doctor's mall. He's got a special on computer chips for the brains and our kids. While some drunk fool with a class at school is blowing sawdust off his power tools and he looks down a row of the dummies, he's created a Again, but there's a, a little ditty called happiness. It says, I'm going to walk away from this. Yeah, before I lose my masterpiece to an etch-a-sketch again. And in the morning when I rise, if they vacuum up the gun smoke out of the skies, if we can love ourselves despite the crimes, if we will drop our jaws at fire when it's flying out our eyes and right now I'll come back to life. And if I can feel as good as I do tonight, then I'm going to walk away from this with a little ditty called happiness. All right. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys, I have, because I'm an awful salesman, I got to do this at least once a show. I have CDs for $10 and tab books for five. This is, this is week 11 of a two-year tour. This is sincerely the point in the tour where I'm pretty scared. Um, and I got to get back to the West Coast. So tonight of all nights, your support is, oh, God, that sounded evangelical. <laughs> I would try to find a way to rephrase, but you know what I'm getting at. Listen, you know what? Let's just get to the point. If there's any independently wealthy people here, I need some sponsorship. All right. Okay, I'm going to do last piece. Last piece, all right? This one, this one is, um, oh, here's the piece. Before my CD got done and I was worried, like, the, the KGB would get a hold of it and mass <laughs> copy it and sell it and I would never get credit because I'm a moron. But um, this, is the, this is the original copy of my CD. And this is completely... This is a completely different version, not completely, but pretty different version from anything, if you've got the CD that you've heard. It's got different people doing different parts. Todd, oh, that's a good, Dan, Dan and Todd are good people, both of them. You guys, I don't want to get into what you fight over, it would make you feel like, no, 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 no
tape. I'm scared. Can, am I not get sued? Are we, like I said, four. Real? Okay. Just top. Your wife is right there. She's a doctor. I'll get lectured afterwards. Okay. Oh, oh. Shit, I get so lost. Okay. Um, okay, now this is the last piece. Listen, Todd, there might be other stuff on there, too, but let's just keep that between you and me. <laughs> I was going through all my old tapes from, like, junior high and high school as I've been on the road. It's just giving me something to do while I drive. And there's one of me. It's my fourth or fifth grade choir. And because I was, because I was too young to, uh, to know how much it would mean to me later, I recorded over some of it with my own great voice. And uh, there's about three or four minutes of me going... Someday love will find you. Break those chains that bind you. Separate ways by journey for like three minutes. And then when I ran out of words, all you can hear me do is going dun 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 dun. Okay. Um, okay, last piece. So this isn't mine. This is a gentleman named Tim Sanders from, from Seattle who was on the 1999 Seattle team for, Chica uh, for the Nationals in Chicago. He's a brilliant, brilliant writer. He's doing playwriting right now and acting, so he's, he's stopped slamming. And he doesn't like to do this piece because he says it feels a little preachy, so I said, give it to me. Um, this, is, this is all I can do to, 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 as far as what happened on September 11th. I know it's really easy to have an opinion, so I'm just going off feelings on, for, for, for myself and taking it individual by individual. I, I don't have no answer, but... Um, this is this is this is how I feel about the whole thing. It was written long before what happened happened, but <clears throat> I need a cotton mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim. <laughs> it's a good one, you guys ready? I'll wait, I'll wait for you to, this is a, it's awesome. It's not mine, or I wouldn't be standing up here saying that. But I'm pretty great. Okay. And my books are $5. Okay. Whew. <clears throat> hey, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Are we good, Don? Are we good on people in? All right. That wasn't a question. <clears throat> My typewriter shadow box is in the corner. Pistons thrown out, keys so dull that every word is coming out. Fight, fight, and goodbye, goodbye. Then one sentence comes clear. It says, the name of this poem is Joe Lewis. It's an epidemic, our hearts laid out like a body in a boxing ring, spilling our lives, saying to us that we, we women, we men, lit by porcelain, by pavement, by a new sadness, oxygen, we are stuck burning with an opportunity. You see, lampposts and hyenas, they can't say the things that we can. Pearls and rainstorms cannot sing this song. Our hearts have laid down like broken dish rags in the dust. Get up, the crowd hollers up. Then right before the 10 count, our heart rises, stumbles vaudeville black and blue in the crowd. It goes wild. 
Our heart smiles out, swollen eyes, swinging and swinging at the ropes, beating up the air. And to me, it's Joe Lewis saying that everything's going to be all right, that we've just forgotten how to be children, that we can still shine. But the words keep coming out, fight, fight, and goodbye, fight, goodbye. My typewriter hooks and bobs, weaves and dances, throwing left, left, right jabs. It says it's going to be all right, champ. It's going to be all right, but the heart is on the ropes again. Our lives, our lives laid out like a body in the center of a boxing ring, laid out like the night Joe Lewis went down and the crowd roared, but in their bathrooms that night they wept. In the sink, in the bathtub, and that moth on the wall, they all thought, yeah, this is an epidemic. Can you hear all of us? Because you've got to listen. We're at our jobs, sitting in our cars, standing at supermarkets, watching TV, howling to be something for something, to be somebody to us. It's amazing. We never open our mouths and you can hear it for blocks. When I hear it, I mistake it for the sirens of an ambulance. But that's what we are. We are an ambulance. We are porcelain. We are pavement. We are throats. We are howling for all of us. We are the hood ornaments of an epidemic that is laid out like the night our heart finally took a dive. And we carried it back home and it bled all over us, but we couldn't tell because it was on the inside. And that night we wept and we didn't know what to do with it, so we tucked it behind our ribs where it sits, punched drunk, throwing half-hearted jabs in a rhythm like a beat, like one long ten-count winding down. Lampposts and hyenas, they cannot say the things that we can. Pearls and rainstorms can't sing this song. Sometimes when they slip your boxing gloves off and they cut your body open, they find sloppy children's handwriting scribbled on the walls of your rib cage that read, fight, fight, goodbye. Thank y'all. Hi, guys. I'm here again, as always. Straight out of Compton. Sometimes I can't believe the things that come out of my mouth. All right. Um, yeah, okay, so here we go. There are angels among my devils waiting to save me from the flood. Swimming in circles trying to find a landmark to land safe in sounds like the roar of rushing water crashing over the rocks I silently cling to. While I pray for the rainbow of promised, I was promised when my mother spoke of Moses and I always thought of Job. God seems to be testing me wants to believe I am strong enough to know when to let go, to let the current carry me past yesterday's troubles, the burden of my regret washing the sins of forgetfulness off my skin, head just above the waterline of love, wavering, waiting to save me, like the devils I never knew would hold out a hand to rescue me. I see redemption in the faces of perfect strangers. I see magic in the mysticism of meeting for the first time, and I want to be your last thought as the water rinses over us, cleansing the sins of might have been, brought the storm raging, threatening to drown me in my river of disbelief. I was caught unaware, staring into the future while my past pushed me over the edge and the rain fell one droplet at a time until ankle deep in swirling possibility I walked away from safety because what is life without choice? without chance to throw in the crack of thunder, waking me to find last wishes, clinging to the desire of a fairy tale or a flood, waiting to be saved by the angels I found flying above freckled shoulders, their wings forming a net to catch this mermaid who never forgot who, to catch this mermaid who forgot how to swim, who forgot how to remember that we fall in love in spring and in the heat of summer passion we forget about winter. 
When the snow melts, we will find ourselves lost in the, th in the flood, f swimming to save our souls from the reality of present-future tense. The waters are rising, and we are blind by choice, frozen by possibilities, and you say to me that it can only get better, but I am not so sure. My breath is held shallow, waiting for the sign to give in, give up these promises of salvation for the security of summer. But the leaves will always turn the colors of our reflection. The snow will always leave raging rivers in the wake of broken promises. Predestination running circles around my frame, still and silent. Prayers lift me out of white foaming water. My where limbs scrape my arms, bruise my body, and I am aching to be taken like a lamb into the arms of immunity. Show me the way to purity and lead me to the temple of divinity, where my <clears throat> where the shadows of my mistakes trust in the guiding hand of providence, where my angels have been mistaken for devils who offer protection from this delirious doubts that plague me hopeful for pieces of promises left on the doorstep of my dream, yearning to be the mermaid who never forgot how to swim. Oh, baby, what you think? Judges, I need to see some scores. And I have to come back down here again, so. He's like one of the original Kalamazoo poets from Dirties. Give it up for Uncle Drack, baby! When I was 18, I wanted to die at the age of 130 in bed with three women of terminal exhaustion. But that seeming a little unlikely, I wanted to die in searing agony like in a burning race car, short and severe, because you only get one chance to die in this lifetime, so it might as well be intense. I want the kind of death that will make all future incarnations of humanity who are formed using even a fraction of my spirit interesting in a way that 90 years of psychotherapy and lobotomizing medicine can't begin to touch. And the real tragedy to me is that not everyone in those skyscrapers and jetliners had the same attitude. They may not have received the deaths they imagined for themselves. They especially didn't expect to be hijacked a second time in their deaths. But then, how many people do you know that even live the lives they imagine having. Now see, I imagine that if I'm ever the victim of aerial terrorism, that I'll be lucky enough to be in a plane filled with that select club who greet the announcement of their hijacking with hysterical laughter, where the hijackers are the hors d'oeuvres, and where all the prayers run to, Lord, let me shove that knife up his ass. Or in my case, Odin, if they have guns, let me soak up my own weight in lead before I fall so that the biker grandmother behind me can put her spike heels right through this guy's brain pan. If none of us know how to land the damn plane, we could at least try to crash it into an empty sports arena and don't try to tell me that that would be any kind of tragedy. If I ever fall victim to terrorism, it would be too late, so I'll tell you how I feel about it now. First, do not use me to further your own political or re religious agenda because I didn't die for it. Remember me as well as you'd remember anyone who's died of a natural disaster because this present war to end terrorism won't. 
But if anyone wants to wave the flag in your face and talk about how I died for one nation under God, or conversely, that I died for my sins or the sins of the country, I want you to slap them hard until they achieve true enlightenment. If you're prone to monuments, make mine a patch of wilderness with no option to buy. But if you really feel the need to keep a lot of stone carvers employed, make my monument a giant lizard with an even bigger erection, covered in obscene Celtic knotwork, with the inscription, Jehovah's Go Home, with a little arrow pointing to a map of Jerusalem. However, if you're predisposed to revenge, sure, avenge my death, but here are the conditions. Prove who's responsible and show the proof to the world. Fight your way through the guards of the perpetrators, the instigators, and kill them with your own hands and let them know it's for me and you for the crime of terminating some other people's attempts to live positive lives. If you kill all their kinfolk or nuke their cities or their holy places, don't you dare claim it in my name if you don't want to find out what a vengeful heathen ghost is like. And if you can't abide revenge that you have to work for, then forget it and hold a big party instead, for this too will fight against tight-assed religious bigots. The odds are good that it will never happen, but if I ever fall victim to terrorism and you go to avenge me, do it with the force of law behind you, not as part of a lynch mob. I won't ask you to love them, but at least do it without hatred. Do not flinch, even if they wear an American flag pin on their suit, because resisting right-wing fundamentalist lunacy begins at home even if it seems like it would be appropriate to set them on fire and crush them under a 10-ton concrete mallet or fling them to earth at 500 miles an hour. Don't. Take them quickly and cleanly and mercifully. Send them to me. I'll be waiting for them at the base of the rainbow or the gates of hell, the anti-bodhisattva, waiting for them with a big hug and a big plate of fried squid and pork chops in a beer. We'll have all the time we need to work out our differences. Give it up, give it up, give it up! I've been done a grave injustice. Something was taken from me when I was very young. So young, in fact, that I could not defend myself against this theft. Those bastards took one of the few things I brought with me into this world. One of the few things I could truly call my own. And you might say, well, what could they take from a little baby? But goddammit, 72% of the men in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. I want my foreskin back. I don't know why they took it in the first place. It's important. A foreskin's a terrible thing to waste. And it's not like I can get answer on my parents. They just look at me and shake their heads. My mom said it was my dad's idea. And my dad said it was just a thing to do. And I said the thing to do was to assault Mr. Tito with a paring knife? What the hell were you thinking? Was mom just sitting there holding me in her arms when the doctor walked in and nonchalantly mentioned in passing that he thought it'd be a great idea if you, you know, hacked my package? Well, son, there are a couple of things you should know. First of all, the foreskin isn't an essential part of the body, and it, it carries with it a certain risk of infection. Well, well maybe your psychologist can explain this better. It, it, what? Isn't an essential part of my body? It sheathed my broadsword. Even the dog has his foreskin. Why did you circumcise Benji, Dad? Well, 
well, what your father's trying to say, dear, is that he, he just wanted you to look like him, you know, down there. Why? So he could pick me out of a crowd? Genetics ain't strong enough, Dad? You gotta have the captain's eye patch, too? I want it back. Oh, yeah, I want it back. I want the world's greatest plastic surgeon to fashion me a bionic foreskin. It'll be 18 inches long. USA can make a special feature film about me called The Boy Who Got His Flat Back. I want my foreskin to be televised around the world. I want John fucking Bobbitt to look at his television and say, Nothing, because he'll be too busy weeping like a little Nancy boy at the sight of my gargantuan reattached foreskin. But it'll be more than that. It'll be the world's first ever fully automated, decircumcised bionic foreskin 6000. And it'll be programmed by a special team of experts from Microsoft, including Bill Gates, because he lost his foreskin too. Yeah, that's it. It'll have a Pentium 4 processor. I want to surf the internet with my penis. Yeah, I want my foreskin back, and it'll, it'll glow in the dark. And we can use it for a little day planner organizer. We'll call it the, uh, the, uh... The Rosie Palm Pilot! Yeah, I want my foreskin back, and I want it to make a noise when I get a hard-on like this. Shink! And I want it to be voice-activated so I do get a hard-on at one of those times, you know, like at the pool or in the showers after gym class. I could say, Bionic Foreskin 3000, initiate standby sequence, and it'll shut itself down! <laughs> Mom, Dad, nothing personal, but it's not easy to explain to your uncut friends why your well-educated parents decided to lop off your wiener wrapper. It just doesn't make sense. Let me put it this way. When that special day comes in my life, when my wife is holding little Nathan Jr. in her arms and the doctor comes in with a surgical buzzsaw to go to work on my kid, he better watch out. He might lose more than his composure. I want my pores in! I want my pores in! I want my pores in! called deja vu I want to go to the place where all the choices not taken or stored the past not walked or kept I belong in this other world with these discards because I want to know once and for all the things that might have been who was waiting around the corner who wanted to be my friend or but for a careless phrase or unfortunate circumstance might have been my companion I want to rummage through the boneyard of choices not taken, of identities mistaken in old Waterloo's, of days spent sleeping in late in poignant dreams too quickly forgotten once awake, of kind words unspoken lying around like old bus tokens, unused, out of date. I will sift through the dry white ashes of checks that can't be cashed and money lost and found in this place where the moon is always new, dark but still in bloom, Reflecting only time, creating kind of a deja vu. I want to visit my palace of regrets built with broken promises and unpaid debts. I want to see the other me if he still lives here. If so, we could stay up all night and talk back and forth like excited children waiting for the morning to finally arrive, for its glow to light up this slate-colored sky. We'd be patient, though, secretly knowing that our days must always come slow as the dawn enters gently treading softly on bruised foot soles. Thank you. Slam. Before I get going, let me make an announcement. Sp uh, special bulletin brought to you by Craft Brow Brewery. Saturday Night Live, funky reggae. Ja Kings, right here. Y'all be here. Welcome to the game of life, where the success can be as much torture as the suffering. Where certain highs are worthy holidays, yet bruises are frequent and downfalls flows in with the wind. Yes, the game, where the luxuries of life are all hype about meaningless statistics and labels, 
Feebles and fables blatantly loud, which I might add will have you walking proud. Yeah, the game. Well, the team is equally as important as the individual, and the team relies on each and every individual. Haven't you heard? The team is only as strong as its weakest link. It needs every individual to be strong and talented, mentally, physically, powerful, yet humble. Men, women, balanced, within and without. Being spiritually whole, where you can help lead the team, the game, where you have leaders and followers, the game, where you must have teachers and students, the game, where you have those who oppose and those who are supporters. The game where you have practice and a stage. The game of offense and defense. The game where the intricate of problems have the answers of such simplicity. The game where there is a hunter and most definitely the hunted. The game where during the miles and miles and trials of tribulations you felt so alone. But the longer you play the game you found out that you were never, ever alone in this game of life. The art of remembering is subtle business. It's a lonely trial by strict resolution. It's terrifying, tantrum-ridden, bloody mental politics. Would you believe it if I told you there are a million lost experiences dancing around in the valleys of your subconscious? There are faces there, ideas, places where you fell in love, lied and lost, and took chances on romance and let the muse entrance you there in your memory, the truth to every story, the motive behind every emotion, the power of each response. Would you believe it if I told you I almost forgot to write this down? I almost let it slip by me, fall through the last crack, slide back into the past in this moment. This breath feels like one I've felt before ten years ago in the foothills of the Black Mountains with the very first man who walked away from me and the pocket knife he gave me to convince me that he loved me. And I stood there as I stand here now, looking over everything he meant to me, expecting his answer to explain my fate, to explain to me what really happened. Would you believe it? 
If I told you I can remember being a student monk in ancient Tibet, getting drunk behind the master's quarters with my best friend ascending, because in the end, all you can ask for is another beginning. Would you believe the image of my birth is there? My first breath of air, my first clear vision, my first clean tear, the first cold blast of white fluorescent light that made me scream, the first dream, it's all there. And remembering it, bringing it back, is the only chance there is to recapture it, to taste that first fresh rhubarb pie, to be driven again by the scent of your lover, to be naked in the rain again, to feel love from 700 miles away. But it helps me to remember why I forget so easily the moments that make me the man I can still see standing there in front of me, locked down tight, silenced in my memory. Would you believe I've forgotten a thousand bursts of laughter and a million brilliant kisses, but I can still remember every single mistake, every loss, every missed opportunity, the chances I let roll away, the days I did nothing when I should have been remembering. Give it up for my man, Dan Stevens! I said, I love this jacket because it's truly unremarkable. And she said, it's very gray. And I told her I stole it from my grandmother because it belonged to my grandfather before he died. And she said, sometimes, Nathan, you exaggerate. And fate fast slipped sideways as I was lost in the parallels. And for a moment there, the difference between us, the distance between love and philosophy surprised God. And 13 was even again. And the prayers sounded like algebra. Earlier, I went to class and sat in the back row where the professor couldn't see me. And I had to read the slides to myself because every time I took off my headphones, the static was deafening. And I lost the manual, and I forgot the right notes, and I purchased the wrong textbooks, and I've been speaking a foreign language, and everybody knows it but me. Everything was okay, sitting explaining cups in terms of forms and things that bear volume and the subscription of my styrofoam cup to the form of cupness. And I said, everything makes more sense this way. And then I saw her, and she was a different form than the rest of us. I would call it history. I spent the rest of my life explaining to her that I have different dreams, where ends never stem from means, joining formulas from her voice, and my pen beget rain showers and snowstorms of abandoned social confinement. She ran at me and seized the iron bars and shook my prison cell until blood ran down between her fingers and the walls fell and she fell exhausted into my arms and I heard her sobs beneath the bells and alarms, passion lifting our affliction above a sea of social contradictions. And after that, I never left her side. And I didn't look back, and neither did she. It rained hard and cold, and my arms ached from the cold, and my stomach ached from the coffee. It was 5 a.m., and water bubbled between my lips and the soaked cigarette filter. Later, as we were walking home through the rain, I told her about how I had been viciously attacked by a sloth in South America. And she said, I told the best stories. And I said, you know, that's the first time anyone's ever said that to me. But at that point, we had to yell over the rain, and the acorns, softened by cool sidewalk runoff, crushed beneath my leather boots. I tried to tell you about my grandfather, but his jacket is freezing in the rain, and I'm freezing inside of it. 
I tried to tell you about the rain and the bicycle and the blood and the mud and the laughter and everything else about that night, but I can't because my arms still ache from wrenching the mountain bike out of the wet earth and my eyes are still flecked red with blood from the gash in my forehead and the sound of the rain striking the pavement is the sound of other boys laughing and my grandfather's jacket, soaked and filthy, was still tied around my waist and the form was diligence and the form was dignity and the form was discipline and I walked three miles to leave nominalism and the talos in the mud and to seek the forms for what they were. And when I said goodbye and closed her door, I hung my head. I didn't know if I should lick my wounds or tear out the stitches instead. I heard numbers, and 13 was even again. Surprised, God, I said. It's time to peel off my grandfather's jacket and go back to bed. Are you employed, sir? Employed? <laughs> you don't go out looking for a job dressed like that, do you? On a weekday? Is this a... What day is this? <laughs>